0: Welcome to Spill the Tea, a bi-weekly download of life, liberty, and the latest in culture and news with your
1: hosts, Dr. Robert McClure and Sal Nuzzo. Welcome to another episode of Spill the Tea. I am Sal Nuzo, Vice President of Policy with the James Madison Institute. With me is our CEO, Dr. Bob McClure. Uh, busy couple of weeks that we've been through. Really has been. Uh, not just in the Sunshine State, but nationally. Uh, but we'll start with Florida, the political scene, uh, especially in the run up to the 2022 gubernatorial election. We have now a third candidate for uh, governor who is seeking uh, the Democrat nomination, Annette Tadeo. Yeah.
0: It's- Really interesting because you now have three candidates, uh, really only one with any name recognition, and that would be Charlie Crist. You have a couple of um, candidates who are trying to make their way in Freed and Tadeo, uh, and then you have kind of a, uh, an old guard Democrat who's entire Democratic Party has shifted under his feet while he's been in Congress. So it's really going to be interesting to see who comes out of the primary to face Governor DeSantis.
1: And up until recently, I had completely forgotten that Annette Tadeo was Charlie Crist's uh, lieutenant governor pick when he ran uh, a few years back.
0: Yeah, it's funny how
1: things become go full circle. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the thing that I'm kind of paying attention to are the lanes in the Democrat primary. Which candidate tax more left Word which tries to kind of carve out the the more moderate, what I think we would have called the blue dog Democrats right, uh, back, back in the day. day. Yep. Uh, and then is there a center lane for someone like uh, Senator todayo to kind of carve out uh, enough of a plurality to, to make a go at it?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting because I think the Democratic candidates more than... Any other recent national election in Florida and across the country are tied to the failures or the successes of this current White House, and right now, that's not good. That could change tomorrow, but if uh, Republican candidates can tie their opponents to this current White House or the movements in Congress um, by by a very left, very very left leaning Congress. Um, I think it's going to be very
1: difficult to win in Florida. And here's a very important question that I would like to ask or have some reporter ask each of those three candidates. And that is, what is their view about the Biden administration's proposal to have the IRS be able to get into and access individuals' accounts at a threshold of $600 Let's
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And let's give our listeners just a quick purview of it. Under this new Biden administration proposal, the IRS, think about this, Sal, is three times more likely to audit you and me and every other citizen making less than $25,000 a year rather than someone in the top 1%. Think about that because they will have access to your bank account. The new proposal which would require financial institutions to annually report customers' account deposits and withdrawals at $600 or more. Think about it. Every plumber you pay, every grocery bill, every utility bill, and this gives the IRS more leverage over those making less
1: than $25,000. It's the threshold. Crazy. The threshold had been, I think, it was ten thousand right. dollars, which uh, you know, folks on the left and the right could argue about where the threshold uh, should be. But I'm really kind of intrigued by why is at a time like this a leftward uh, kind of lurching Democrat Party uh, thinking that. Getting access to $600 transactions on the part of every single American, why is that something that they're particularly interested in? Right. It is
0: Brave New World, 1984, all rolled into one. And and really, the, let's be clear, the IRS should have no access to your bank account unless you choose to give it to them. It's
1: unconstitutional. Or, in my or opinion. with a warrant by... Right. But we've right. got the $10,000 threshold now. There should be no threshold. It, 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 but it is what it is, right. and yet they are taking that and going... Going down, you know, to six hundred dollars under this proposal. I'm really, really interested to hear what uh, Nikki Fried, Annette Tadeo, and Charlie Christ have to say about that proposal. Right. You
0: think about how how um, um, daunting that is for individuals Every payment that they make at six hundred dollars, it's it's a scary thing. I think the infrastructure bill and the big spending bill that, you know, is supposed to follow reconciliation, et cetera, et cetera. Who knows how this is all gonna turn out? I mean, slowly Biden's agenda is taking on water. I think it's
1: gonna be really interesting to see what they get past, if anything. All right, let's shift to sports. Uh, the Jaguars finally eke out their first win under the uh the urban. Whatever. Meyer regime. Yep. Let's just leave yeah, it, it there. You want to call you it a
0: regime? Know, I will say this: the, that that second to the last play, when there were six, seven, eight seconds, whatever was was left, everybody thought it was going to be a hail mary throw. Yep. Or uh, you know, a hook and ladder or something like that. I thought that was a brilliant call. It was a quick slant. They hit the guy with the pass. He falls down. There's four four seconds. They get the timeout with one second, yep. and the guy nails a fifty whatever. It was I think it was fifty three or fifty four yeah. yard yeah. field goal. It was a gr- it. brilliant play on the part of the offensive coordinator. And congratulations to the Jags. So, so Urban, they like to say in Jacksonville Duval. So Urban's
1: a genius now, right? F- w- today, one, w- w- one win, four losses. Yes. Urban's a genius. Yes, okay. he
0: is a genius today. And so that I mean, you know, that is that's a big win. The Dolphins, obviously you know, very difficult, you know, Miami-Dade County. And I love Brian Flores. I think they've had so many injuries. they got to get it back, but but I, I think they need to stick with their head coach. Now,
1: staying in Florida, but shift really briefly to the college landscape, I would like to highlight that FSU was the only team that did not get beat on the field uh, last Saturday, but that's uh, only because they had a bye week.
0: That's right. Congratulations yep. to Seminoles for having a bye week. It really has become college football in Florida has become a disaster across the board. UCF, my Miami, Florida, USF?
1: USF, I mean, everybody. Does Does Manny Diaz, the, not the senator, the coach of the, <laughs> of, of the Hurricanes, does Manny Diaz make it to the end of the mm, season? Good question. I don't think so. I think it'll depend on the FSU-Miami game. Really? I do. A couple think weeks from what, now. Yep. Yeah. All righty. Um, uh, kind of... Stay in sports, but shift a little bit to uh, the NBA and the vaccine mandates and so much else that's happening with respect to kind of the intersection between sports and and policy. Uh, Kyrie Irving, I mean, I don't follow the NBA and I know who Kyrie Irving is, Uh, kind of uh, foregoing a ton of playing time, gets suspended, uh, and and all because he is refusing uh, to get the vaccine. I believe he had COVID last year uh, and is saying he's got natural antibodies, but uh, kind of a courageous stance for someone at that level to take.
0: It sure is. He's putting his money literally where his mouth is because he's going to lose income as well. Think of Allison Williams, the ESPN yep. reporter, who uh, very shared a very personal story of trying to have children children and she decided she was forced out by ESPN yep. because she wouldn't get the vaccine, but she chose not to get the vaccine. You think of um, what's happening with all of these vaccine mandates. You have truckers rebelling, you have teachers rebelling, you have the supposed Southwest weather delays. I'm, yep. I'm putting, my, putting that in air quotes. Um, there is this you know, this is almost like a modern-day Boston Tea Party. People are rebelling against these vaccine mandates.
1: It's a fascinating thing to watch. And then you've got just the other uh, day, uh, the Washington State head coach, and I think it was three or four assistant coaches, right all uh, fired because they refused uh, the, the vaccine. Uh, the one thing that I would point to, which is kind of a, uh, it's telling, and I think it's going to foreshadow a growing uh, a growing momentum behind this, is Delta Airlines, Ed Bastian announced that he was, and Delta was, backing off on their employee vaccine mandate. And so uh, that flies in the face of the Biden executive order, right. Uh sure clearly has more than 100 employees. So, I'm very intrigued to see after Delta how many other large employers follow suit. Right. You're seeing that
0: and 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 um, employees are rebelling not just in red states, they're rebelling in blue states. They're rebelling across the country. It doesn't it doesn't matter which state you live in. The people are fed up with being told what they have to do if they have a personal belief in the vaccine, as I saw some the other day. My belief is I believe in the vaccines. I don't believe in vaccine mandates. And the media obscures those two beliefs as though somehow if you choose not to be vaccinated, you don't believe in vaccines. And of course, that's wrong. It's dead wrong.
1: Well, and it feeds a narrative that's trying to be Uh, kind of put forward by much of the traditional media. Uh, I I listened to, uh, God help me, Brian Stelter the other night, the CNN, uh, whatever we want to call him, talking about kind of trying to put on people the idea that they should not in any way, shape or form do any kind of research into... Their own health and just listen to government bureaucrats like Anthony Fauci, who are kind of telling the population when they can gather, when they can't gather. And it just kind of, I think people have had enough of
0: this. You know, and it's fascinating too, because this goes back to JMI's principled belief in limiting the role of government in our daily lives. When government does something poorly, take healthcare, take mandates, take CDC, take Fauci. They've been wrong across the board. Unfortunately, the answer is not, you know what? You're right. We need less government in our lives. The answer is no, no, no. We need more government to fix what government government has already screwed up. It just never ends. And CNN is the perfect example of that. And that's what
1: we continue to see time and time again. And when they get it wrong, they then gaslight and the Biggest uh, example of that that I that I've seen in the last two weeks is we all know prices are soaring, inflation is on the rise, we are experiencing, and people are already talking about the possibility of stagflation—a term we haven't heard right. since the 1970s. Right. And yet, when you listen to either the White House press secretary or uh, the Department of Transportation secretary, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, on uh, kind of the underlying causes and policies, they absolutely gaslight. And it's you know, don't believe your lying eyes. Right. the The reason for inflation is get this: the Biden economy is on a tear. Right. And uh, uh, just it is just mind blowing the level of irony. And kind of uh, just, it's it, it just kind of mind blowing.
0: And me. really, nobody believes this. I mean, really, the American people, you know, you see in social media and on Instagram, people are taking pictures of empty shelves. You know, I experienced it this weekend when I went to Publix looking for basic items. And they said it is a supply chain issue. They said every week it's something. One week it was Gatorade. They couldn't get Gatorade for two weeks. One week it was eggs. One week it was bacon. One week obviously it's toilet paper. It's always something. So this this and when you add to that the prospect of more regulations through OSHA, health and safety, et cetera, et cetera, of the federal government, needless regulations, I should say, and you add to that higher taxes, and this massive flood of money, you're going to have a toxic cocktail of disaster for this economy. And I'm very concerned
1: about the economic short-term future of the country. I am certain that the the actual, kind of the pinnacle of this, the tipping point, is going to be $10 bacon. Uh, I think when bacon hits $10 a pound, we're going to see rioting in the streets. And, and bourbon. Yeah, bacon and, and bourbon. Bacon and bourbon. That's right. Yes, absolutely. That's right. Well,
0: uh, we can leave... Uh, our listeners, with this, they'll be really happy to know that the U.S. Postal Service, because they've done have such a wonderful Stella, track record stellar job. of being efficient and delivering things on time and not uh, and spending taxpayer money wisely, they have started implementing changes. Again, I put that in air quotes that include delayed deliveries on mail and packages. Price hikes for things like stamps and priority mail, and it's just part of their 10-year plan. Now, do you believe the United States
1: Postal Service has a 10-year plan to raise revenue and did, cut costs? Did, did, didn't Stalin also have those five? They had five-year plans in, in Communist uh, Soviet right. Union, so now we've got a 10-year plan for the U.S. Postal right. Service.
0: So never fear for our listeners. The US, the U.S. Postal Service is on top of things. They have a 10-year plan. To fix the U.S. Postal Service. So I really look forward to that. Which is
1: really going to help us now that we're entering the Christmas season of 2021. That's right. Well, on that note, uh, we thank you very much for listening to another episode of Spill the Tea. We look forward to coming to you again two weeks from today. Thank you for listening to Spill the Tea. For more content from the James Madison Institute... Follow us on social media or check out our website at jamesmadison.org.